We're going to talk today about salvation and baptism. What is it? What does it really mean biblically? We're going to move into assurance, lordship, sin, creation, the scripture, prayer, accountability, fellowship, what I believe to be essentials in the faith. Years ago, the story is told about Vince Lombardi, that great coach of the Green Bay Packers. The Super Bowl trophy is named the Lombardi Trophy in his honor. But they said every year when they would start practice, Lombardi would just go out with a football and hold it up in the air and say, gentlemen, this is a football. And I think it's so important for us when we contemplate the gospel when we contemplate what it means to know Christ, to walk with Christ, I think it's important that each and every one of us know the basics. Now, let me say this to you. Online, if you get online, thecrossloganville.org, and go to our sermons or messages, the notes that I have placed online, I've got four pages for me today. There's about seven pages online. The notes online, Chad, Craig, listen to me. It's got more scripture. It's got Q&As so that you can go through it. But a person who is a brand new Christian, the notes are set up so that you can sit down with a brand new baby Christian and you can say, can I walk you through what it means to know what salvation is all about? Because if there's questions over how salvation is attained there will always be questions over how salvation is maintained. We're going to clarify some of that for you today. Make sense? So every, every study and every topic that we'll cover, there's going to be more scripture, more Q&A, more notes online so that you can go deeper and you can walk with someone else into the simplistic, pure uh, devotion of what it means to know Jesus Christ. Now, the Christian faith is more than just intellectual submission to a set of truths. It's, it's more than that. Some religions are all about just intellectually submitting to whatever they say their doctrines and beliefs is. It's not Christianity. Uh, the Christian faith involves conviction, repentance, commitment. It involves uh, total surrender to Jesus. When we talk about knowing Christ and experiencing the Christian life or walking with Jesus, we're talking more than just uh, intellectual, uh, great terms or whatever that people kind of acknowledge or about to. We're, we're, we're talking about the conviction work of the Holy Spirit. We're talking about authentic repentance. I want to break some of this down for you. When we talk about knowing Christ and total surrender, we're talking about it leads to life change. The Christian faith is not only about believing what God has revealed in Scripture. Listen to me. The Christian faith is not just believing. Demons believe in trouble. It's not just believing or acknowledging, but it's acting on it. The word believe in the Greek. Now, we're all we're all subject to how we define terms. I want to define terms in a proper way for you. You can get into conversations and we're all subject. And slaves to how we define terms. The word belief in the Greek is the word pistis, P-I-S-T-I-S. -I -S, 
and it means to be persuaded to action. So when a person says, I believe the gospel or I believe Jesus, they're saying they're persuaded to action. True biblical genuine belief always leads to action. Why is that important in the Bible Belt, the bondage belt of the South? Because a lot of people have bought into a false gospel where all you had to do was acknowledge and there's no life change. It's not the gospel according to Jesus. Everything that Jesus touched, Jesus changed. And so when we talk about belief leading to action, true root, meaning Christ in me, is going to bear fruit. Now, if I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, then I will submit to him and obey him. I believe Jesus is Lord. The word Lord, again, is the word master, ruler, authority. I believe Jesus. Jesus means God is salvation. If I believe that Jesus is Lord, then I will submit to him and I will obey him. If I believe, believe that he is the son of God, then I will give my life to honor him. I will give my life to honor Christ. If I believe that he is my savior, then I will place all my trust and confidence in him. I won't trust in me. I won't trust in man. If I really believe he's my savior, savior, I'm going to get into salvation and break it down. It's so powerful. Then I'll place all my trust and confidence in him. If I believe that he is my teacher, then I will obey all his teachings. The Christian faith is not walking aisles Praying just some appease me of my guilt prayer. The Christian faith, when we talk about it, it's conviction, it's repentance, it's action, it's boldness, it's moving into it. So here's, here's the question. If Jesus Christ is really the truth, if Jesus Christ is really the truth, if he's really God in flesh, then you've got to ask your question. Ask yourself this question, do I believe and do I follow his teachings? I'm not talking about do I a la carte and cut and paste just certain things that I like and appreciate. Do I follow his teachings? God has not given me permission to a la carte or cut and paste anything in scripture. I either take it all or I don't take it. Now, this is, this is so essential, essential. What is salvation? When you hear the word salvation, salvation is, you've, you've got to get this one down. Salvation implies that I've been rescued from and I have been delivered to. So, so for a person to say, I've experienced salvation, I hear this oftentimes in the South. A lot of people think it means that I don't drink, raise hell, and party as much as I used to. So I, I've experienced salvation, which means I'm a little better version than what I used to be. It's not salvation. Salvation implies that I've been rescued from. We could say a person was rescued from a shipwreck or a fire or a sickness, but they have been delivered to health and life. To say that I have been saved biblically is to say that I have been rescued from sin, and I have been delivered to the person of the Holy Spirit now that dwells inside of me 
because of faith in Jesus Christ. Biblical salvation will always involve from and to. It doesn't just imply from. So to say it a different way is when I am saved, I am being delivered or I have passed from a situation of danger to a position of security. I, I, I got saved. I got born again. I was regenerated. What, 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 is, what does that mean? It means I was lost and now I'm found, but it means that I came out of a place of danger and ruin and now I have been delivered to. What have you been delivered to? Because when you study it, it implies surrender and submission. I, I, I got rescued from. Great. But what'd you get delivered to? I, I, I got delivered to Christ, and he says, now surrender to me, which means I, I give you me, and I submit, which means I now rank under everything you say. Make sense? Everybody with me? Not if you hear what I'm saying. Now, getting back to the basics, the essentials, we've got to understand salvation. Because if we get the salvation piece wrong, it's going to screw up everything. Now, save from, save to. At 13 years of age, 1976 for me, summer of 1976, my dad bought me a membership to a gym in Noonan. I wanted to play baseball. And even then, they were starting to introduce the possibility of working out, okay, back in the 70s. It was not a big thing back in the 70s, lifting weights and doing this. But there was a guy that owned a gym. It was a Nautilus Fitness Center. Nautilus was a big thing back then. Remember Dallas? Remember Chad? Nautilus. Came on the scene. So my dad bought me this membership, and I was going to go train under this guy that owned this Nautilus gym. And so I would ride my bike mile and a half to this little gym, and during the summer, I was like, I'm going to work out every day. I'd been there about three or four days, finished the workout one day, and the guy that was the owner who was kind of helping train me looks at me, and he says, I've got a question for you. I'm like, okay. He said, if you were to die today and stand before God, and God would say, why should I let you into my heaven, what would you say? I'd never been to church, really. We went a couple of times one summer when dad was playing on a softball team. It was part of the requirement. We didn't go to church. I, I, I never really attended church. I didn't have a Bible. I, I didn't re read the Bible. I didn't read, period. And this guy hits me with that question. He, he basically looked at me and said, if you were to die today and stand before God and you don't know Christ, do you realize you would go to hell? That, that was a funky thought. I mean, I'd heard of hell. I didn't want to die and go to hell. And he said, well, I got good news. If you want to avoid hell, all you've got to do is pray a prayer with me. Pray, pray a prayer with you? I'd never prayed a real prayer in my life. So he leads me supposedly in this prayer. And I prayed that God would save me. I prayed that I wouldn't go to hell. And then he looks at me at 13 years old. And he says, if you really mean this, you need to be baptized. We'll deal with that in a bit. So I was baptized like two weeks later. I have no clue what it meant. Stayed in that for about three to four months, and then I drifted. Now, at 13 years of age, I can tell you that I was not saved. I can tell you that I was scared. 
I can tell you that I was ambushed. But based on Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this very thing, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Christ didn't start that work in me that day. The fear of going to hell started that work in me. So I drift. And so I go through high school and I go through college and I'm partying and I'm lost. In October of 1985, the conviction of the Holy Spirit grabbed my heart. If I would have died tonight, I would bust hell wide open. I drink. I'm, I'm into immorality and all this junk that I've done. God, I got to have help. And my buddy Jeff that died a few years back, Jeff had surrendered to Christ in the summer of 1985. Jeff sent me a letter. I was playing with the Astros and we, I was in high A ball down in Kissimmee, Florida. And Jeff sends me this letter telling me how he had given his life to Christ and how Christ was changing him. And that next morning, I get up and go to church with Jeff. Jeff, I, I got to have help. And it was there that Sunday morning that the choir, whatever, was singing, the Lord is my light, my salvation. Whom shall I fear? And I'm like, I have no light. I have no salvation. And I'm afraid that I'm going to bust hell wide open. And I remember the pastor sharing that day. And I came forward and I laid on my face and I squalled, bawled, shed all these tears. God, I'm a sinner. I deserve to go to hell. I was a broken, desperate man. See, the false hope at 13, I didn't experience salvation. There was no change in my life. There was no desperation to meet God on God's terms. I just wanted to avoid hell. I really wanted to be just a little better version of what I'd been. Listen, listen. Jesus said, many on that last day will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not? And he said, I'm going to look and say, depart from me, for I never knew you. Biblical salvation implies that I'm being rescued from and I'm being delivered to. I want every person under my voice to get the gospel. I want the Holy Spirit to just be so alive inside of you. So when I started studying and started pondering more, you're like, oh, where did you land? The more I study the Bible, biblical salvation implies that sin is understood and confronted. You understand? Sin. Sin is an old archery term, again, to define terms. It means to miss the mark. It was the portrait of a target. The rings around the bullseye were called sin one, sin two, sin three, etc. Pull back the arrow, bam. I missed the bullseye. I hit sin one or sin two. Sin. It meant to miss the mark. What is the mark? Holiness, perfection. You understand sin? Yes, I missed the mark. I was born into the world missing the mark. It implies that sin must be confronted with repentance and faith. True repentance and faith leads to regeneration. You'll hear this word, born again. It's in John 3. Being saved. Again, being saved means being rescued and delivered. Have you been saved biblically? Not culturally, not according to some church. I'm talking about according to the word of God. 
I confront sin. I, I, I'm living in sin. That is a wayward life. I'm going to stand before a holy God, yes. So what is repentance? Repentance is this deep conviction of where we see ourselves dirty, filthy, and guilty before God. This is repentance, guys. Listen to me. I see myself as dirty and filthy and nasty and guilty before God. I'm convicted. I see myself deserving hell and eternal damnation. Paul, when we get there, it's a beautiful place that the Holy Spirit drives us to. Do you not realize that this God that made you is holy and he's, per he's pure and he's perfect in all of his ways and you fall short? Yes. You miss the mark? Yes. And the Holy Spirit convicts us. The people that I've seen radical change in have been convicted and they repent. Repent? People say it means a 180. Here's what I would tell you. It means to change my source. What am I plugging into to find love, acceptance, worth, significance, security? I'm plugging into this. I've got to repent. I'm plugging into something other than Christ. I've allowed something to sit on the throne of my life outside of Christ. I've got to repent. I've got to unplug from it. And for me in 1985, Tim, you've got to unplug from all your drinking and hell raising. Tim! You've placed baseball on the throne of your life. When you signed to play professionally and you just went to spring training, your first one in 1985 with Nolan Ryan and Jose Cruz and Mike Scott and Glenn Davis and all these studs with the Astros, and you've got baseball. Repent, unplug from that and place Jesus on the throne. Okay. So I had to confess. Confess is another biblical word. If we confess our sins, God's faithful and just for John 1 9. Listen, listen. Confess is the word homo, logia. Homo, desiring the same. Logia means to speak. I had to confess, homologia, homologia. I had to say what God said about my sin. You're, 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 you're a wretched sinner. You're dirty. You deserve hell. And I had to confess what God said about his son, Jesus. My son is Lord. My son is the Savior. My son is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come to me except through my son. I had to repent, unplug, and I had to confess. Who has to do that? The scripture says all of us have to do that. Now, now watch this. Watch this. I'm convinced that this is one of the most essential truths that we can know. This is essential. Because so many people have been introduced to a gospel that was not according to Jesus. Don't you want to go to heaven when you die? Just pray this prayer. Walk this aisle. Really? Show it to me. I can substantiate and Totally stand on and share with you everything I'm sharing, guys. It's in the notes. Now watch this, Tony. The Bible teaches that godly sorrow, when God brings about sorrow in a person's life, it leads to repentance. 
I'm sorry. Listen to this. This godly sorrow, I'm dirty, I'm guilty. If it's godly sorrow, 2 Corinthians 7.10 says, the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret. I, I, I was sorry, God. I sinned against you. I violated you. Godly sorrow leads to a repentance, a turning from, and unplugging from, plugging into Christ without regret. But, but the sorrow of the world produces death. I, I'm sorry I got caught. I'm sorry I'm going to lose my family. I'm sorry I embezzled money. I'm sorry. leads to death. I'm sorry I sinned against the holy God. I'm sorry I violated a holy God. I'm sorry that I turned against the holy God. Yes. Sorry, God. You've got to save me on your terms. Repentance without regret. Now, now, one of the things I got introduced to as a young believer now, it was some Bob Jones, Tennessee Temple, independent, fundamental, Baptist stuff I got introduced to early on. It's okay. It's okay. But what, what I got introduced to early on was go share the gospel with other people. At 13, I didn't know the gospel. Just get this prayer prayed. Cut your hair, dude, so that you look not like a hippie and Part of the 70s, 60s kind of rock movement. Get you a King James Version, go get it. Okay, but I'm not, I don't even know Christ, but we're going to teach you the Romans road. There ain't nothing wrong with the Romans road. I just didn't know Jesus at 13. I didn't have no hope, really. But I learned this mentally. Didn't know it in my heart. But listen to these verses and personalize them today for you. L listen to this, Craig. Romans, oh, last one will be Acts 16, but listen to the Romans, Romans 3.10. There's none that's righteous, not even one. Personalize it. I'm unrighteous. I am unrighteous. I was born unrighteous. I've done unrighteous things. Personalize it. 3.10, circle it. Every person I talked to was born unrighteous. There, there, there's none that's righteous. Verse 23, for all have sinned, missed the mark. And fall short of the glory of God. Who? I, Tim Cash sinned royally. Tim Cash was a sinner. Is he still a sinner? No. No, he, he's not a sinner anymore. He's a saint that occasionally sins. He's not a sinner that's saved by grace. G God rocked him and changed his identity. He's a new creation in Christ. So when he looks in the mirror, he don't say, oh, you're just a sinner. No, he goes, God calls you a saint. And you're going to have to Work yourself into believing that you're a saint and you're holy in God's eyes. That's who you really are. You've got to believe what God believes about you. But when I came to surrender in October of 85, I had to look at it, Merle, and go, I've sinned. I'll fall short. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life. But Tim Cash, you're going to die one day because you've sinned. And And... When you and Barb have kids and your little offspring, you're going to give birth to a tribe of sinners. 
They're going to sin because the very nature of who they are is they're going to need to be regenerated and born again. Really? Yeah, yes. You believe that? Romans 5.8. God demonstrates his love toward us. Even though we were sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus Christ died for you, Tim Cash, even though you were a sinner. Jesus willfully walked the Via Della Rosa and died for you. Per personalize it for you. Romans 10, 9. If Tim Cash will confess with his mouth, homologia, that Jesus Christ is Lord, and believe in his heart that God, believe, pistis, persuaded to action, confess, believe, that God raised Jesus from the dead. Tim, if you'll believe that and confess that, you can be saved, rescued from, and delivered to. Personalized. Verse 13, it says right here that if Tim Cash will call on the name of the Lord, because Tim Cash is a whoever, and if Tim Cash will call on the name of the Lord, he can be saved. Not might, he can be saved. Personalize it. Acts 16, 31. Paul is proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's been locked up. This radical jailhouse rock happens where the Holy Spirit frees the chains off of these guys. And Paul looks at the jailer and says, believe in the Lord Jesus, believe, pistis, persuaded to action, and you shall be saved. So, so you've got to stop and ask the question, have I truly been saved? Because Everything that Jesus touched, he changed, and if I've been saved, it's going to lead to fruit and action. Don't, don't, don't miss that. Don't miss it. So, so I was writing in my notes, and I said, salvation is initiated by God the Father. Salvation is demonstrated by Jesus the Son. Salvation is activated by the Holy Spirit. Salvation is contemplated by many, but it's appreciated by few. Have you been saved? Have you been born again? Have you been regenerated? Now, the first step of obedience is baptism. We're going to baptize five or six people in the second service today. Now, don't, don't. Don't miss this one. Baptism always follows salvation. The word baptism means the immersion of the believer in Christ going underwater, symbolizing death, dinosaur, burial, resurrection. I've had people from other denominations say, well, when I was a young kid, I was baptized, really. Well, we were Methodists, and they sprinkled us. No, you didn't get baptized because the word baptized comes from the word baptizo, and it means to emerge and go under. You got sprinkled. You didn't get baptized. We're all subject to how we define terms. My Catholic friends, doing sports ministry for so long, so many of my close friends today were marinated initially in Catholicism. And what I mean by that, some are Polish, Catholic, Irish, Catholic, whatever. Well, I was baptized as an infant. I was sprinkled as an infant. 
your, your mom and dad just let you get wet because baptism always follows salvation. Baptism never precedes count, uh, salvation. And some of you in here grew up Catholic and you go, but I was baptized in a, as an infant because the Catholic Church taught that it, it cleansed you from original sin. But the problem is there's not a verse in here that supports that. Even if you go to Vatican.com, you can't support it. Even from a Catholic belief, there's not biblical. Baptism. It means to be immersed. It means to be dipped under. It's symbolic that this inward transformation has happened in my heart and I'm making a public declaration that Christ is now my Lord. I've got a ring on, Barb, and I've been married 28 plus years. This ring don't make me married, but I'll wear it to say I'm married. It's symbolic. It's the portrait of the event that took place inside my heart. I was baptized. Now, baptism is always the first step of obedience. Baptism is not required for salvation. Baptism is required for obedience. The thief on the cross really did meet Jesus. He just didn't have an opportunity to be baptized. He's an exception. He's not the rule. See, everywhere you read in Scripture, when people repented and believed, they were baptized. That's right. So the pattern is always experience salvation, repent, believe, then be baptized. Then be baptized. Now, let me give you four reasons on why, on why we're baptized. Number one, Matthew 28, Jesus commands us to be baptized. Go into all the world, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them, baptizo, Submerging in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Ba ba baptize them. When are you baptized? Because Jesus commanded it. Why, why are you baptized? Because I confess Christ publicly when I do so. Matthew 10, Jesus says, listen to what he says. Whoever shall confess me before men, I will confess before my Father in heaven. You willing to take a public stand and confess me? Yes, then I'll confess you in heaven. That's a pretty good reason why we do it. And when we encourage people to be baptized, take that first step, what you're declaring publicly is I've surrendered. I'm submitting. Jesus is now my Lord, Master, Ruler, Authority. When are you baptized? To join fellowship with other believers? Acts 2.41, they that received his word were baptized. They were added that day about 3,000 souls. Hey, we're going to be baptized? And it is a declaration that we're joining the fellowship with other people. Why are you baptized? To follow Christ's example. Jesus in, Mark, in Matthew chapter 3 was baptized by John the Baptist. Jesus comes to John the Baptist. I got baptized last year. About a year ago, right now, I got baptized in the Jordan River. Had you already been baptized? Yes. I, I, I got baptized at 13, which was getting wet because I didn't believe. Got baptized again at around 23 after I had surrendered to Christ. But I'm like, I'm in the Jordan. That's the Jordan River. I want to wait out there and get baptized in it. Man, I declare Jesus is Lord. Jesus, this is where you let John baptize you. I got to get in this water. So I did. That's what happened. 
John the Baptist, it was like, like Jesus, seriously, you're like God. You need to baptize me. And he goes, do it. Baptize me to fulfill scripture. When, when are we baptized? Again, like I said, it always follows salvation. When you look at Acts 2, Peter said, repent, be baptized. Re repent, turn, place your faith in, confess, then be baptized. Have you followed the Lord in baptism in a biblical way? When, when, when do you do it? You, you, you do it after you're saved, born again. Baptism should follow commitment to Christ as soon as possible. I've got friends, my buddy Tom Tabor has been a part of the Greater Atlanta Christian School and Movement for years. He's a part of Campus Church. Their denomination is Church of Christ. Many in the Church of Christ denomination, if you pray and repent and ask Christ to save you at 10 o'clock on Saturday night, they will take you to the church and dunk you immediately. That's how convinced they are of the first step being baptism immediately. Repent and be baptized. Then you'll receive the Holy Spirit. That's what he says. Repent then be baptized. All right, guys. Here we go. So the heart in this entire series is not just to be teacher, preacher, proclaimer. The heart, Evan, is to inspire. Tom, the heart is inspire. The heart, Jerome, is to inspire. Inspire you to take action. Repent. Believe. It's the essentials. You got to get the essentials right. You got to get the basics right, Chad. You, you got to get it right. Have you experienced salvation? Salvation is God rescuing man from and delivering man to from the sinful place, the sinful state, the sinful identity, and bringing him back into right, harmonious relationship with himself. Have you been rescued from and have you been delivered to? That's salvation. Here's a quote for you. It is impossible to say that I've trusted Jesus to save me when I, when I just ignore his advice to leave me. I'm asking him to save me, but I ignore your advice to lead me. How can you say he's your Savior and Lord? He said, connect. He said, share your story. Hey guys, I guarantee you we have a couple thousand of these. Just little cards. And it's like, meet me at the cross. And it's got service times. Hey, how are you doing? I'd love to invite you. I'd love to invite you to be my guest. Why don't you join me Sunday? Take a hundred of them and start inviting people. Hey, I'd like to invite you to be a part of what God's doing in our fellowship. Hey, your story matters. Wear it. And then give it away. Hey, what's your story? 
Where, where, where are you from? What's your narrative? Can I share my story with you? Your story matters to God. Can I give you something? My buddy Andrew was going to be baptized in the second service today. He works as a nurse at Clearview. Great dude. Piedmont. They changed the name of it because I get bought up. And he got called in for emergency today. Listen to this. My little guy, Caleb, had these polyps up in his nose and all this stuff, and we met with this doctor, and they're like, we're, we're going to have to go in and clean him out. Okay. Clean, clean it out. Okay. And so we go in for surgery. He's met with the doctors and done all this stuff, and then we go in, and this nurse guy by the name of Andrew that I've never met before is taking care of of Caleb. And Barb and I start talking to some people there and we start talking to Andrew. Andrew, what's your story? Where are you from? Where do you go to church? Just start sharing with him. Andrew, Caleb comes out of surgery. He's there kind of making sure he's stable and everything's going right. Andrew, dude, your story matters. I'd love to invite you to be my guest on Sunday. He's like, appreciate it. That next Sunday, the door is open and Andrew walks in. He's wearing a Your Story Matters bracelet. I'm like, well, that's cool. And then all of a sudden, Jeremy Patrick, my friend Jeremy, hey, man, I know Andrew. He and I went to school together. We've known each other for a while. No way. Jeremy starts connecting at a deeper level. Andrew keeps coming. Andrew's wife and son. My friend Jerry Roberts, his wife Lynn, was having some surgery, and I go back down to Piedmont. This was probably eight weeks later. And I go in to check on Lynn to pray with them before she has surgery, Jerry, and Andrew is the nurse. And he walks in, and not only does he have a blue Your Story Matters on, but he's got a blue and a black one. And I said, look at you. He goes, Your Story Matters. I share that with people. Encourage people. And Steve Trailer will tell you this past week as they were doing their discipleship thing, he's like, he drove the stake in the ground saying, I'm going all in. I'm fully surrendering. Where'd you meet him? Where I was. Where do you meet people? Where you are. Because wherever you are, you need to learn to be there. And trust the Holy Spirit to lead you. Who's capable of sharing? You are. The question is, will you do it? Your story matters. Have you experienced the salvation of God as defined? And have you taken that first step of obedience and baptism?